0: Today I'm speaking on two Kings, nineteen twenty-nine. Doesn't have to. I'll just read it to you. I will probably go on about it a lot, so you will know it by the end. This year, you will eat what grows by itself, and the second year, what springs from that. But in the third year, sow and reap, plant vineyards and eat their fruit. Once more a remnant of the kingdom of Judah will take root below and bear fruit above. For out of Jerusalem will come a remnant, and out of Mount Zion a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will be accomplished this. Therefore, this is what the Lord says to the king of Assyria. He will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with a shield or build a siege ramp against it. By the way that he came, he will return and he will not enter this city, declares the Lord. I will defend this city and save it for the sake, for my sake and for the sake of David my servant. So this, um, this is in 2 Kings and it comes at a time where people have had, had enough and they are really struggling. And I think we all probably have felt over the years, like we want to give up, like we want to throw in the towel, towel, like we've had enough and we just don't think something is possible. I mean, if we look at the last kind of two and a half years, the world has just been filled with constantly changing and cancelling plans. Dangerous. And how many times have we heard on the news of an unprecedented crisis looming? That's a new word, isn't it? An unprecedented, but it seems to be every day. COVID, the cost of living crisis, the Ukraine war, food shortages, fuel panics, strikes, monkeypox. It just seems to be one thing after another. And sometimes we can easily feel surrounded on all sides by disasters and struggles and impending doom. And if you feel like that's just like us now, then I want to take you back to to Kings because um, the prophet at the time, he's not mentioned in this, is, is, um, is Elijah. He's a really faithful man of God. His name even means Yahweh is my God. He has been faithful to God and yet here he is emotionally, spiritually, and physically exhausted and he's getting death threats. And the people under King Hezekiah, are living in that fear. The Assyrian army, who are like a massive war machine, are on their doorstep. And it's not a case of if the city is going to go under siege. It's kind of when. And siege for people of Jerusalem was something that is not to be underestimated in fear. The idea of being surrounded, even if you've got the heart, the higher ground, being surrounded and slowly, everything you need for life being, um, dripping away, running out of water, running out of food, and it just seemed inevitable to them that this was going to happen, a slow death, and it just seemed inevitable as a matter of time that Jerusalem would be wiped out, that would be the end of the people of God. I imagine they found it really hard to sleep at night. Or to rest with this coming over them. But it wasn't God's will. It wasn't part of God's plan. If it had been part of God's plan to wipe out the people of Judah, we wouldn't have this bit, of the Bible. Mm-hmm. If all they were wiped out, Jesus wouldn't have been born. God had a plan and he drew a line, he says here, a line for his people, plain and clear. No, he says. This terrifying threat that you think is inevitable will not even come to pass. It won't be that you're going to win this war. This war is not even going to happen. There will be no siege. There will be no destruction. God will preserve his remnants. However small his few loyal supporters, believers are, God has promised that no one will be able to crush them or wipe them out. When we feel surrounded on all sides, I just want to remind you, let's remind ourselves, that while God remains in us, as long as we have his spirit in us, we are not crushable I'm not saying there won't be attacks. I'm not saying there won't be difficult times. But however many unprecedented crises, trials of the enemy that he throws at us, where God has drawn a line, the enemy cannot win. And his promises here to his people, to all of us hearing, are to remind them, to encourage them, not to keep fighting, but just to stick around. Amen. To the people of Judah, he says this, I'm going to remind you, this that in the first year, you will eat only what grows of itself, i.e. there's not going to be much, it's going to be really hard. In the second year, you'll have what spring from the same. Which sounds a bit more encouraging, but I think he's also just saying, there still not going to be much, guys. And I imagine at the end of that second year, they would have been quite grumbling. They would have been quite annoyed. And maybe that's when the faith began to wobble. Which is why he's telling them about the third year. But he says, but in the third year, you will sow and you will reap you will plant vineyards and you will eat the fruit. There will be feast. There will be abundance. And then you will know, then we will be reminded in that third year that God really was there all the time. He was there the entire time, even if you didn't see him working. It's quite often the case that when we look back, we can see God's working, can't we? But only when we've come through the crisis... Sometimes it's very hard to see where God's at when we're in that place. And often, or at least I do, we think we have to do stuff. We think we have to have to defend God's glory in a world that doesn't know it. We think we have to work hard for him to get results for him. Now, I'm not saying don't go out and work for God. I'm not saying that at all. But don't feel that you have we need to remember that God is more than capable of defending his own glory. And if this is a God that can act on a huge scale and can stop an army in its tracks, maybe, just maybe, all you have to do, all I have to do, is stick around to keep the faith. I was trying to think of some examples of, um, of where I'm at in my life on, on sort of years one, two, and three. Um, I won't give you three examples because I think year one and two are quite similar. But let's start on an encouraging one. Let's start on a year three. Um, some of you who've been around for a long time, I think, come September, I start my eighth year in this church. Um, it's, it feels like I've been here a very long time. Um, and back in 2017, we started a new youth group. We spoke to parents about what day we should do it. We spoke to um, we spoke to children, went to the schools, and we had 10 families sign up to come to the youth group. So it was all going really well. Me and Pippa and some people around at the time, Ben, Sam, we planned faithfully, we prayed over it, and it came to the first night of youth group and three people turned up.
1: And the next week,
0: three people turned up. And we carried on, but it seemed like a lot of work for three people. And when I went to the youth worker meetings, so you always get. And how many youth do you have? Three. Oh, well, that's very nice for you. We've got um, about 100 here. Okay. Um, I know it's not about the numbers, guys. Um, we had sign of hope. Um, in the early 2020. we had about 16 young people coming. I felt like we were growing, we were getting somewhere, uh, we were having some good chats. And then March, 2020 started and COVID hit. It is really hard to do youth work online on Zoom. They do Zoom all day at school. It's hard to think of something. Sometimes I didn't really want to go. Sometimes it just felt too hard to turn up. And it's really crushing when young people also feel like that and they stop coming. But we started again with the regulations, with the differences, with the masks outside, inside, distances, hand-washing, all of that, and we slowly built up again. We have 21 youth on our list now, but whether there's 21 or three, we haven't changed how we love them and how we do things. But it just feels like we've stuck around. And got to our, the start of our third year. But maybe that doesn't encourage you this morning. Maybe you're going, Rachel's just having a gloat. <laughs> um, which is fine. Um, so I want to share with you something where I feel like I'm in the first year. Because um, I don't know what the plan is yet. Some of you who are around and, and work with me week on week know that from that about last October, I've been dealing with some health stuff and the doctor wants to try me on some new meds which he thinks might solve all the problems. But in order to have those, I had to have some tests. And every time they send me to the hospital for tests for a yes or no answer, it comes back with a maybe or a, we just need to do a few more tests. And that test, they'll find something else. So I'll end up in a different department looking into something else. I'm now under three different departments, I think, at the RUH, waiting for two scans and a reasonably major operation in sort of end of August, start of September. And they still haven't been able to decide whether I'm allowed the medicine that might sort out the symptoms I had in the first place. It's incredibly frustrating. It's waiting for the next thing and the next thing, juggling appointments with childcare and work and life in general. It's exhausting when you're not feeling great in the first place. And there's always that thing hanging over you of, well, what if it's something serious? What if this is something serious? I don't know what the plan is. but I don't know why this is happening. It feels to be some kind of attack, chaos at work. I need to keep reminding myself that God has it in hand, even if I can't see it, that he's got it. Maybe it feels like we're surrounded at times like this, but we have to remember that we're surrounded by something even bigger than our problems, that God himself is bigger than any medical drama that I'm having. He's just asking me to stick around, see what he can do, And I I have many, I can go on with many times that he's shown up in the past and done amazing things. So he has form. I know he's got this. Remind me that when I'm moaning about different medical appointments. God shows up. God defends us. He draws that line around us. God keeps his promises. He says in this, he defends Jerusalem and Judah for David's sake. Not for their own sake. Because... Even though David is 300 years dead at this point, God had made him some promises. And God keeps his promises. If you want to read those promises, they are in 2 Samuel 7. I won't read them now. He keeps those promises. Jerusalem might, if you read back about what's going on, he might have actually deserved the judgment that it was coming to it, but it didn't get it. And quite often, we don't probably get what we deserve if we're honest with ourselves. Because, not for David's sake, but God our Father defends us and blesses us for Jesus' sake, for what Jesus did for us, and because God loves us very much. Because God, if you look through the whole Bible, God prospers the surrounded, the weak, the ill, the weary. He just asks you to stick around and you'll see. Because we, guys, we are the remnant. And by sticking around, the roots descend unseen. But then, in that third year, there's that fruit we can see that grows upwards. So when we feel surrounded, overwhelmed, not sure about the future, maybe the future of the church, when I think about young people, 96, 97% of young people in this country don't go to church, haven't had an experience of church. That can really be overwhelming when your job is to work with young people. But but think about it the other way. That means 3 or 4% of this country do. That's the remnant. God never says the the majority. He says the remnant. He says he will always protect his remnant. That's all of us if you feel that you can't go on alone at any point, I just ask that you just don't, actually, that you don't need to go it alone. Let God take you. He doesn't ever ask them to raise arms against the Assyrians in this because they're not strong enough. We just need to stick around to hold on. God was there in year one and two. Even if it wasn't obvious, even if it wasn't clear, there was a plan. God is working in us all, even sometimes when it's really hard to see. Um, I'm going to ask in a minute um, for uh, Leslie and the band to come up. And I, I've asked us to finish this talk with a, a song. It's really easy to learn because it's only got like two sentences in. Is that right? Um, we, we learned in wildfires. And it just reminds us that God surrounds us. And God is there to fight our battles for us. So if you don't take anything from this talk or you've fallen asleep because I'm going on and on, please listen to this song because it kind of sums up what I'm trying to say this morning. And if while we're singing, you feel like you're in that year three place, then use it as a song to, um, to praise God. But if you feel that you're in a year one or two, this is a real prayer, a real battle song. And if you are feeling and you're in that year one or two place, then there are people here who will pray with you. Because we we are not doing this alone. We are a remnant together.